My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So... Every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the Classical Classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I am Daisha Clay, and here with me today from uh, KPFK's studios in Los Angeles is Grammy-nominated mandolinist... Mandolinist being a word I have literally never said before now. Avi Avital. He's performed all over the U.S. and the world. He's won many awards, including Germany's Echo Prize for a recording with David Orlowski. Uh, in addition to classical music, he's also recorded klezmer music, which is very cool. He just released a new CD on Deutsche Grammophon called simply Vivaldi. Avi, welcome to the Classical Classroom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What are you going to be teaching me about today? Well, we're going to learn a lot about the mandolin and uh, hopefully about Vivaldi as well. I dig it. All right. Tell me about the mandolin. I literally know nothing about it other than that it is a stringed instrument. Like, where does it come from? What are its origins? It's a good uh, starting point. Uh, the mandolin is a string instrument, is a plug string instrument. And uh, I point this out because a plug string instrument, uh, if we look at uh, any musical culture, I'm talking ancient musical cultures, uh, there is a plucked string instrument playing the main role. It's mm-hmm. the pipa in China or the koto in Japan or the tar in Iran, and mm-hmm. the oud in, in uh, Arab music, the buzuki in Greece, the tamburitsa in the Balkans, the balalaika in Russia, and so on and so on. So the mandolin comes from uh, essentially the Orient. It travels with a crusade and with a silkworm and with the merchants to Europe and turns into a classical music instrument. And that happens around uh, 1700 at the Medici court in uh, in Italy. Uh, The mandolin becomes a very popular instrument uh, and especially in nobility family, in aristocrat uh, family. Yeah. Uh, it was mostly associated at the time, at the Baroque period, not as a professional classical music instrument, uh, nor a folk instrument or a popular music instrument like people tend to think, but as an educational instrument uh, associated especially with young maidens of this kind of aristocracy. Huh. Uh, as evidence, we can see a lot of the pictures, a lot of the paintings uh, from the 17th century and the 18th century uh, of mandolins, we usually see them held by these kind of young uh, maidens, young girls. Is that is that why it's such a kind of like small instrument? It's more kind of. I guess, yeah. I guess it's a it's a very user friendly instrument. I think for <laughs> kids and for for everyone. It's uh, yeah. the 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 first contact with the instrument is quite immediate. But that's why a lot of uh, the compositions that were written at that time for the mandolin originally are are associated with this kind of scenery. For Mm. example, Beethoven wrote for the mandolin. Not a lot of people know that fact. Oh, wow. I did not know that. (laughs) He wrote four little sonatinas 
for the mandolin, but he never published them because they were love letters. There were little sonatinas that he wrote to a young Comtesse oh. uh, in Prague, in which he was completely, insanely in love. <laughs> and she was the daughter of one of his sponsors. And she played the mandolin like a well-educated Comtesse. Mm. And he writes and dedicates to her these four little sonatas for mandolin and harpsichord actually for them to play together. The interesting thing is that our, because it was an amateur instrument, the mm -hmm. mandolin part is not very challenging. It's quite easy for a professional mandolin player, uh -huh. uh, while the harpsichord part can get really virtuosic in times, and I think that was his way uh, to impress her. <laughs> that is adorable. That is literally the most adorable story I've ever heard about Beethoven. <laughs> so, so I don't like how many strings does the mandolin have, and and what kind? Or did they start out as gut strings? Do you still play them with that today? There are a lot of different kinds of mandolin existing in the Baroque period, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like the Venetian mandolin, the Milanese mandolin, the Brescian mandolin, Neapolitan mandolin, and so on. Almost every city. Uh, in Italy had a variation of the mandolin and the variations were usually the number of strings and the way it's tuned and the material of which it was uh, it was made. Yeah. Most of the mandolins we see today are the Napolitan mandolin, are a, a development of the Napolitan mandolin. Uh, hmm. This is when we say mandolin, this is actually what we mean okay. uh, in our days. And it has eight strings, but there are four double strings actually. So oh. each string has a couple of uh, strings that is played in, in unison. Oh, kind of like a like a 12-string guitar? Exactly. Okay. And uh, and they're tuned in fifth, like the violin. Exactly the tuning of the violin. So E oh. is the highest um, tone, A, D, and G. Neat. I, I did not know any of that. That's that's so neat. I um, That's what gives the, the mandolin that unique sort of... It does sound a lot like a 12-string guitar. Yeah, I guess that's, that explains it. Well, you know, I noticed when I was kind of reading up about you and your new CD, you referred to the Vivaldi as like Old Testament mandolin. And so I'm wondering what other composers besides Vivaldi have written for mandolin and what is New Testament mandolin? So not a lot of composers actually wrote for the mandolin. Not because it was an unpopular instrument, quite the opposite. As I mentioned before, it was an extremely popular instrument, yeah. but too much associated with kind of an amateur salon environment. Yeah. The other composers that wrote for the mandolin in that period is uh, the Neapolitan composer Alessandro and Domenico, also his son Scarlatti. Mozart wrote a beautiful canzonetta in Don Giovanni uh, that includes the mandolin. Mm -hmm. 
Hummel wrote a concerto for the mandolin. That's about it from the famous composers, from yeah. the fam- from the names that we recognize. Then complete silence from composers for pieces uh, the, uh, for the mandolin for some two hundred years. Unfortunately, uh-huh. like Brahms never wrote for the mandolin, Chopin, Schumann, of course, they did not uh, write for the mandolin because uh, I probably they didn't consider it as a as a concert instrument. But the Renaissance of the mandolin is having right now, I believe, um, started, I guess, in the second half of the 20th century, where with modern music, composers were seeking new sounds and uh, and new possibilities Hmm. to offer the concert hall. And they found the mandolin uh, kind of a perfect companion to do so because it was still a, a familiar sound, yet unused and fresh in the context of uh, classical and contemporary classical music. Yeah. The, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, when, one of the questions that I had when I was, I was kind of reading up about the mandolin a little bit is, you know, we've had, we've had a classical guitar player on Classical Classroom before, um, mm-hmm. Valerie Hartzell, and, and she was talking about, you know, the history of the guitar and how, um, how it, it struggled a bit as an instrument and it's had a resurgence because it kind of doesn't fit in well with a symphony orchestra. And, you know, composers were writing for symphony orchestras, and so and, and guitar was more for, like, a sort of um, chamber music environment, you know. And did has the mandolin had that same issue? I mean, you recorded with the Venice Baroque Orchestra on this CD. Like, how, how is that? Yeah, uh, it's very true. I mean, originally the mandolin was a salon instrument. It wasn't uh, designed to fill a concert hall. Um, it was designed to play at home or maximum to play for friends and family in a, in a salon with nice acoustic. Uh, so nothing uh, that, that could probably fit uh, the big theaters of that time. Um, however, the mandolin as an instrument has developed and the repertoire has developed. And uh, for example, the mandolin that I'm playing now and that I recorded my album with um, is a modern instrument that was designed uh, to fit a modern concert hall and therefore is much louder, has mm-hmm. much more sound and hardly never have to use amplification uh, mm-hmm. for it because it, uh, even if I play with an orchestra, the sound cut, cuts through and uh, is, uh, the volume is high enough to, uh, to cope with a, even a larger scale of uh, often a string orchestra. Do you ever just plug the mandolin in with like some distortion and <laughs> crank it up to eleven? I did it in the past. Really? I hope I'll do it in the future. <laughs> Not in the awesome. Vivaldi album necessarily, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I had I had a phase, uh, you know, in high school where I played all kind of music and uh, and and I was playing the electric guitar. And occasionally I would plug in also the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> <laughs> and then play that one REM song. Oh my God! Of course, that's, that's the best song ever. <laughs> Did you just play that over and over again? Of course, yeah. That's that awesome. was, uh, you know, that's how I I was cool in high school. <laughs> play that. <laughs> You're talking that's about great. losing my religion with this amazing mandolin intro. It's very iconic uh, uh, 
mandolin partner and yeah of course every mandolin player learn how to play it So who are other mandolin players? I was wondering like it, I know you're like a big advocate for the instrument and and like do you get together with like the other three virtuoso mandolin players in the world and just Definitely. Connect? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, it's a small <laughs> it's a small community, I guess. Well, the interesting thing about the mandolin is that uh you find it in different genres of uh, music. So yeah. in the United States, for example, it's very much associated with with bluegrass and you have uh this brilliant mandolin players here in the states like Mike Marshall and Chris Tilley mm-hmm. Dave Grishman and Stateman who play um bluegrass music but not only and I'm good friends with them all and they're brilliant Brazil, the mandolin, or how they call it in Portuguese, the bandolim is very much popular in choro music. That is the, the popular music of uh, Brazil. And there is the most famous figure for this genre is Jacob do Bandolim, who was a famous choro composer and, and a virtuoso on the mandolin. Nowadays, um, Hamilton de Holanda is one of the leading figures of the bandolim mm-hmm. uh, and a brilliant jazzist and, and Brazilian folk music player. And yeah, so it's 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 nice to hear the same sound, the same instrument playing uh different genres of music and yeah well, tell tell me about the experience of playing the Vivaldi like like what i when i was listening to your cd i noticed that um the a lot of the pieces were at a different sort of speed and they had a little bit of a different sound that i was accustomed like i've heard these pe- like a lot of these pieces over and over again but but they sound very different yeah i I have to say that this is something that I learned from listening to Beatles records. <laughs> <laughs> when you listen to a record like a good rock or pop record, uh and I'll stick with the Beatles as an example, as an influence for that. Every song has different colors. Mm-hmm. In other words, they don't use twice the same drum set in a in an album. Uh-huh. For every song they change the sound of the guitars and the drum set. and the bass so they create a whole kind of a sonoric world to each one of the songs yeah. and i find it fascinating because you never get tired of a sound the same sound doesn't never repeats twice and that was the reason that recording the album i wanted to have that a little bit i wanted to dedicate to each one of the pieces a, a slightly different color that's why for example in one of the concerti i replaced the defaultive harpsichord as a basso continuo instrument with the organ uh, mm-hmm. just uh, just to give a rest to the harpsichord sound that you have uh, <laughs> throughout the city and 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 to 
suddenly have a new sound, huh. uh, which is uh, which is fresh to the ears at that point when this piece arrives. Uh, so that was a little bit the thought about uh, beyond just choosing pieces that are different in character from each other and different tonalities, different characters, but also in the recording process to use the instrumentation and the interpretation uh, to give each one of them a unique sonoric world. Yeah. I love that. That's that's really neat. I've never really thought about that, you know. But that's true that like rock and pop albums are often um, a little more textured, I guess. Like in that, in that, yeah, you're hearing maybe the same instruments, but they're they're you know maybe plugged into an amp with distortion in one song and maybe not in another. So it sounds like a very different instrument. Exactly. But on classical albums, a lot of the times it's just kind of the same. Uh, sound in that way that's huh neat okay that explains it I was because I was listening to it going hey wait a minute I know this one <laughs> <laughs> but it took me you know that long to actually recognize it which is pretty cool oh thank I, I'm I, I'm happy that you noticed it <laughs> do you write do you compose for the mandolin or, or because I know that you know since there's not a lot of music written for it or not as much perhaps as another instrument do you do you do that? Do you arrange other pieces for mandolin? Yeah, so this is the um, yeah the New Testament we're talking about, <laughs> and and of course the lack of original repertoire for the mandolin brought me to do a lot of arrangements, like you hear in this album, in my other albums. This is uh-huh. almost my second nature, but also to commission a lot of pieces. So I would go to modern composers, and every year. And I would um, ask them to write for the mandolin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it's a very important task. So in a hundred years time, when another uh, mandolin player is interviewing for your radio station, uh, you wouldn't have to say there's not a lot of repertoire written for the mandolin. <laughs> uh, so I like to do that. Uh, I do compose sometimes, although not not too much. I have yeah. just some pieces. Cool. This is this has been so neat. Like I I loved um, the idea. Of, like I was excited to get to talk to you because I love learning about things that I know zero about, and and this this was definitely one of them. I feel like I have about two hundred percent more knowledge about the mandolin now than I had. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> we started, Avi Avital. Thank you so much for being on the classical classroom. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org backslash classroom, or you can go to SoundCloud um, at soundcloud.com backslash classroom, where you will find more Classical Classroom than you can shake a stick at. You can also tweet and tumble us, or you can send me a good old-fashioned email at dclay at houstonpublicmedia.org. However you listen to us, be it iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, make sure to rate and review us because when you don't, we cry. Thanks today to Todd Terrific Holslander for twiddling knobs. Thanks to Sinjin Flynn for the lovely fruit basket he didn't give me. Thanks to Mark DeClaudio for his piercing coal black eyes. Thanks to me for saying words. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.